My favorite. It's Judd's Hockey Show. Some shifts, some games you play with other players. You just have to uh, do your best. And some, some people you clip better with than others. So, uh, uh, but, of course, I'm excited to play with him. Uh, and also Ecker, I think he's done doing a great job, you know, getting us the pucks and, and doing the job that you probably don't see on the score sheet that often. Welcome into Judd's Hockey Show. Zolgate and Declan Goff, we are back on at least a once-a-week basis and really starting this week probably twice a week to talk wild hockey. They open the home preseason portion of their schedule, first to three at home this week on Monday night against the St. Louis Blues. Declan, uh, plenty to get to there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm going but I'm going to start off by taking your temperature on something that's near and dear Ooh. to your heart. Okay. How how are you feeling about the fact that Kevin Fiala remains and by the way on on Monday night man possessed. He he is He was pissed. He is he's out to he's prove pissed. everybody. Yeah, and I don't blame him. He I don't blame him. But anyway, Goudreau at center, who I actually think they're going to le- leave him with for some time. I know you don't like that one. But more than that, Victor Rask on the other wing. How are you feeling right now if this indeed is the opening night line? I don't like it. Um, are you pissed too? Yes, I'm pissed. Um, on a 1 to 10, it's probably a 7, which mm. might even be tamer. Might be that even tamer high? than you think. But it's, yeah, I'm pissed. I, look, and, and I think the problem is, is it, I, I think Frederick Goudreau is fine. But that's, that's who he is. He's, he's fine. He's a defensive responsible bottom six guy it's who he is yeah. um yeah. and maybe kevin fiala needs that because he's gonna make miscues and he's also playing penalty kill which i know we'll probably touch on here in a little bit or at least evison wants him to play some penalty kill which by the way i'm all for i love that well, he's idea. Going to. and he's i like that idea, idea. I'm, I'm with you totally but uh but I, i'm a little upset by it i, I he's just been blackballed all off season and and i don't understand why you don't surround him with better players that maximize his talents He's clearly the second most dynamic player on this team. Yeah, Matt Zuccarello is a, a good player. I didn't say he's the second best player. He might be the second best player, but he's the second most dynamic player on this team. And mm-hmm. they treat him like he's the fourth or fifth or sixth guy in the pecking order, and it blows my mind. It, it, they are, they're, they're robbing him of his talents, and if Kevin goes out and scores 30 goals, which he has been on pace for in the last two abbreviated seasons, if you max it out over 82... He's going to outprice himself, and then the Wild are going to realize, ah, oh, crap, we just let a 30-goal score go away for nothing because we didn't want to pay him this summer. So, yeah, no, I'm I think fine. they're I know. I think they're going to trade him, and I, I think they're fairly comfortable with the decision that they're making, which is sort of weird because it runs counter to what we think, and there's a lot of – I think there's a lot more people from the outside, and that's the key word, the outside, that like Fiala than the Wild does. I think the Wild likes him, but not – I don't think they see his whole game as being complete enough. Now, I agree with you on Frederick – Goudreau, as far as ideally, he's a third or fourth line guy. Yeah. But I will say this, putting him at center, and I want to see more because, and this is one preseason game, okay? So against the Avs JV. So I'm about to say something that I could easily backtrack on. But in watching Goudreau in person from the press box on Monday night, um, I think he is, and this is not a huge like hot take or a leap, he appears to me to be an upgrade skill set wise on what Bonino could do. Like Benito got moved to wing. He really wasn't a center. I, okay. I loved what he brought in the room, but his overall skill set, he started off at center. He sort of started off in the role Goudreau has now last year, and it slowly slipped away until I think he was a fourth line wing, and he was really good in that role. And he was good to have on the ice because he could win faceoffs. 
Uh, Goudreau strikes me as a more talented skill set type of guy than Benino was. So okay. the Goudreau thing, the Goudreau thing with Fiala isn't what's offensive. I think what's offensive is the Rask dynamic. And let me give you a direct example too, because it's at this point that the five percent of you out there who love number forty nine, Victor Rask, say, "Oh, you guys, just like with cousins, you don't understand." Um, I saw a play Fiala made and. Declan, you're right. He's pissed off. Like he's playing. And I hope he plays like this for a long time because it's so much fun to watch. Uh, he made an outstanding play to steal the puck, I want to say, in the offensive zone against the Blues in the what have been the first period, I believe, on Monday night. Okay. And and he so he makes a really nice play. But he decides to, and it was almost like on purpose, he decides to then try and pass it off really quickly to Victor Rask. And it should have been a nice, like bang bang type of play. Could have resulted in a scoring opportunity. Victor Rask can't handle the puck and so i guess what confuses me is like what what would you say victor rask's purpose on that line is with fiala because i'm with you kevin fiala is not the best player on the team but he is among the most dynamic players so if you're going to put him with goudreau who let's say is going to be a responsible center which is great that's fine don't you want to put him with another wing who can facilitate with him and for him and and also take passes from him, um, which is why I think ultimately, at some point in time, Boldy's going to get a chance on that left wing because Boldy can do those things. But yeah, that that was one play I saw, and I thought I almost think Fiala made that pass on purpose to Rask <laughs> just to be like, "Hey, see what I'm dealing with sure. here?" And and I'm on his side there. I'm on Fiala's side. He's right about that. I'm not a seven. But I am, but unless this is going in the direction of Boldy eventually being that um, the left wing with Goudreau and Fiala, if that doesn't happen, I am perplexed. Yeah, it's just a little confusing. Um, yeah, and, and like you said, maybe I'm underselling that, hey, Frederick Goudreau actually could be an upgrade to what Nick Benino was on the ice. And I, I think that's pretty high praise from your end. And I know that's just one preseason game takeaway. Right. Um, don't yeah. write that down necessarily. Uh, but but putting Rask there is just I don't really understand it. Um, Rask's big thing was last year, and look, they put him in positions to be successful, better than what he has been in his other tenures with the Wild and towards the end of Carolina. Um, you know, when he was when he was a reasonable player in Carolina, I I don't think it was the fact that he was a good player. I think he was the best player on some really bad Hurricanes teams. So he showed up and he looked good and his stats were great and they paid him. And they realized once those once those Canes teams started improving that, oh, we don't really need Victor Rask. And then he has weird injuries. He cuts his finger making a sandwich in the offseason. Like, just the wackiest things. Um, his benefit is he can win faceoffs. And again, I don't think that's why you put someone on the wing just so you can have the insurance policy if you lose a faceoff. Like, I, I, I don't really understand what Victor Rask wants to do there. It's, it's pretty perplexing. All right, let's get to what was... Obviously, the the biggest story from the game on Monday and the headline from that game as well is that Kirill Kaprizov made his debut and for the preseason, and he was he was placed on a line which we I think we're going to see unless something goes drastically wrong throughout the year with Yule Eriksson at center, yeah, and Matt Zuccarello who was going to be the right wing with Kaprizov no matter what. But this now forms your first line with the guy who right now who is your best center possible. It's not Victor Rask. It's not Hartman, who, who by the way, I think they found a great role for. And I like him a lot because he works his ass off, but yep. he's not the most talented. 
Um, and and Kaprizov steps in after an offseason of, you know, contract negotiations, will he sign, won't he sign. He uh, sets foot on the ice. And again, it's against an Avs JV team, Declan Goff. Two goals, one assist, like he never left. <laughs> Eric Sinek gets an assist on the first goal. Zuccarello, two assists, including a great play on the Kaprizov goal that was um, a rush. And by the way, I love this play. Rush by Dumba into the zone. I saw that. Gets it to, gets it to Kaprizov, who immediately feeds Zuccarello, who immediately returns it to Kaprizov. Goal. That is a six-point night for that line. That is, I believe, with Eric Sinek in the middle, what they're capable of doing consistently. Mm-hmm. And and I really, I really left the building on Monday saying what we saw from that line. One, it's not a surprise, but two, it is definitely reason for optimism. And I am so glad that they have put those two with a center now who makes a lot of sense. I, I think also that uh, a neglected detail in that transition wasn't it uh, a didn't Capo blocker kind of it out and get and start like oh, a breakout too? Yeah, he made a great pad save. Yeah, no, that that's yeah. how it started. You're right. Good and point. and I know he'll get the nod one more time too on on Wednesday as we record this in the morning. So he'll get another nod um, in the preseason uh, game that's on Wednesday night. Uh, but I, I think this top line is is actually like really reason to be optimistic about uh, about a wild top line for the first time in a while. Um, you know, it really, yeah, it wasn't that long ago that I believe, what was it, Eric Stahl and was it Granlund and, and, you know, Zucker or whoever, whoever the hell was on the other side might have been Zach. Um, and that was solid. It was solid, but it really I feels like the Kaprizov factor yeah. lifts well, everything up. And no, it, no question. And Zuccarello, who, as you love to point out, that when I elegantly wrote a great piece on him, his play went in the crapper his first season. Yeah, he screwed Last year, he has that elbow injury that that prevents him, I believe, from miss, you know he what he missed the first dozen games or missed a, a handful of games to start the year. But then once he got on the ice, you saw him be the player he was with the Rangers, which is a phenomenal facilitator, a great playmaker. Um, and I know he has that un, that five year no move contract, but if he plays the way he was with Kirill at the end of last year, well, all of a sudden I really don't care about that contract. That contract isn't going to be that big of a deal. Um, I, I think this team also was lacking a, a true center. Look, he, Kirill made Ryan Hartman have a career season last year. And Ryan Hartman's yep. a nice player. He's a former first-round pick. He's going to have a nice little career, but he, he's, he has no business being most likely near a top six, for that matter. He really isn't. He shouldn't be. Uh, but that was all Kirill. Um, and Kaprizov last season didn't spend a ton of time with uh with with Eck. In fact, of the two centers he spent the most time with, it was Victor Rask, shockingly. Um yeah. and then Ryan Hartman and then Goal Erickson Eck and and Eck was they had a solid course you four went together. Um they had a decent plus minus went on together creating goals and allowing goals. Uh Eck deserves the opportunity to get a top line look. And and, and it, th- this might be and I, I'm not ready to pull the plug on it or already sound the alarm like but Eck, Eck might not be a top line player. He might not be, but he's obviously a very good center who's capable and deserving to get an extended period at the top line with Matt Zuccarello and Kirill Kaprizov. So if if this is indeed going to work, and by the way, I know they were playing that JV team. I know some people were maybe even sounding the alarm or freaking out if they didn't walk away with a victory against basically the uh, Colorado Avalanche JV squad. Uh, but from just a, a, that performance, you should be dominating and skating circles around them, and that's that line looked like. I, I'm excited to watch that line. That's the one 
one line and honestly the one I wouldn't say hope but the thing I'm looking forward to most seeing when, when they drop the puck in Anaheim on opening night is this line and hopefully it stays together for an extended period of time as far as that line goes too um, I think the important thing to keep in mind is Eric Zanek might not be what we consider to be your traditional number one center but here's where you don't need that here's where you need a talented player which he is I mean he's just clearly a step up from well, he's three steps up from Rask, but he's clearly a, a step up or two steps up from Hartman as well. Here's where it's important. This line is so positionless. So like you ordinarily think of, whoa, a center on that line is going to have to pass the puck. He's going to have to be the guy that makes plays. He's going to have to, to be the guy that makes sure that Kaprizov gets his, right? And that Zuccarello gets his. Well, think about how those guys pass the puck. And think about both of those wings are basically, I mean, Matt Zuccarello is flat out the best passer probably on that line. No questions asked. So if Erickson Eck can do his job, win faceoffs, and the goal that, that the Wilds scored, I believe it was the Brodeen goal, where Erickson Eck parked himself in front, which used to sort of be the winger's job, but now it's not. So I don't think we need to look at this as, oh man, Yule Erickson Eck doesn't bring what a center should bring. I think just the flat-out fact that that he is the most talented guy that they can possibly put there is the most important thing. Right. Because he can certainly play a really important role on that line, but I think we have, or I don't think, I know, we have our expectations of what a center is going to bring. And I don't know that he needs to bring exactly those things. And hell, Dex, you know what? Winning face-offs, incredibly important. Because if that unit can get the puck, they're dangerous. Yeah. So, like, win the faceoffs, get the puck. Zuccarello and Kaprizov can do a ton of the work themselves. They almost don't need you as much. Um, but but uh, Eck can score goals. He can screen goaltenders. He can do a lot of things. And plus, guess what, too? He's going to be the one guy on that line that is certainly going to be defensively responsible enough mm-hmm. to, at times, save them, probably. Yeah, I think Zuccarello is a, a fine defensive player. Um, Kirill, maybe his defense, we don't talk about it enough, but he's obviously not a stalwart either. Um, and, he's, and he's also the kind he's of... He's solid, right? Yeah, he's solid. Um, but he's also the kind of player who is going to make a turnover here because he's going to force something and he's going to try something oh, yeah. too much, and, and, and those are going to happen. Um, with Eck, uh, last season, you and I were talking about, is this theory finally like actually starts waking up, though, and scoring more goals, which he did. He scored, I believe, what, 19 goals last season in an abbreviated year, and you thought, oh, wow, this yep. is this is something. And I, I never really thought they were flashy goals. It was him being parked in front of the net, him jamming home rebounds, basically being diet Zach Parise. Zach Parise didn't score highlight real goals. He scored goals by outworking people. Um, mm-hmm. Joel Erickson-Eck has the same type of mantra, and... As Bill Guerin, our friend of the show, pointed out to me and, and disagreed with me that he does have the ability to score some highlight real goals. And when you're playing with Zuccarello and Kaprizov, I think you're going to see that guy. I think you're going to see a guy who dis, does probably still score 20-plus goals um, over the course of an 82-game season. And he's going to be positioned because there's so much attention being paid to Kirill. And Matt's, look, I still want the guy to shoot the puck more. I, I don't know why he doesn't, but it, but Matt Zuccarello's bread and butter is a playmaker. So, yep. you know, also why why... Why fix something that isn't broken for him? I mean, that, that's been part of his career at the Rangers, and that's why he was so damn good in New York for a while and beloved. Um, but with those two basically being very above average and if, in, in one case an elite playmaker, well, then Joel Eriksson-Eck is kind of just the reaper of those rewards, and I can see him totally benefiting from playing with those two guys. So, yeah, it's not that Eck has to 
keep up with this natural skill that is Zuccarello and Kaprizov. He just has to put himself in the best situations. All right, line three I now love. I think this is perfect. Ryan Hartman playing the, the uh, 2020 role of Erickson Eck, or 21 role, I guess. Yeah. Um, Marcus Foligno and Jordan Greenway. I think this line is going to be incredibly solid. I like it. Greenway's the wild card. I mean, uh, he, he, you know, he acknowledged that the first preseason game against the Blues, he didn't show up and was terrible. But that being said, Felino always shows up. Hartman always shows up. I think that this line, as far as shutdown lines go, um, if I'm skeptical about how they're doing line two, I guess that's fair to say as far as the structure. If I'm skeptical about line two, I think lines one and three are going to be really good. And I think you're going to know fairly consistently what you're going to get from both of those lines. And I think Hartman, Felino, and if Greenway applies himself, Dex, have the opportunity to make life hell on some really good lines, which is important. It's actually funny how you break it down of, of really who is the second and who is the third line. Because, yeah. I mean, if you're just in, and I know coaches love numbering their lines, and I, I know they all can't stand that. But I, I think a lot of people might say that the Greenway Hartman Felino is, is their second line when yeah. in reality, when in reality, it's a checking line. It's going to be that shutdown line. It's the same line you were talking about last year. With Eck, when Eck was in the middle of those two, that was so very, very effective and, and responsible for shutting down opponents' top lines. That's what that line's going to be. Um, I, I'm guessing, yeah, that line's going to be ended up playing a lot of big-time minutes and a lot of shutdown roles in the third period when, when you need to protect a lead and whatnot. Um, yeah, I, I think this is a perfect plug-and-play switch. I mean, Ryan Hartman was playing that top-line role outside of Victor Rask by default, and same with Victor Rask. It wasn't that... Neither of those guys were viewed as top-line guys because they weren't. They they just had to put someone in the middle. And with mm-hmm. the way Eck performed last year, you started to realize, well, he's a first-round pick, and he's scoring now 19, 20 garbage, goal, garbage goals. Why not put him with two of the best playmakers and let Ryan Hartman, who is perfect for this role, um, slide in and take it? And so, I, yeah, I, I think this line is, is um, you know what you're getting in it. It's not going to be flashy. Uh, I think I, I, it is it is worth noting that you know Marcus Foligno has taken such a not not just a step off the ice which we talk about but a significant step forward on the ice uh, last year. I think that even gets less talked about than what his contributions are off the ice and what he means to this team because at that first year here, I mean it was disastrous and you thought, oh my god, we got three more years of this and now all of a sudden it's he starts scoring a little bit more and has a little more touch to his game um, that he can be a, a player that can score a goal here and there and and the wild card obviously there is Jordan Greenway. Um, who does Jordan Greenway want to be? Does he want to be Jordan Greenway or does he want to be Charlie Quill 2.0? It's probably not fair that we put him in that same sentence, but unfortunately with his build and with his stock and which his pedigree, we are. And we're, and we're, we, we have that uh, a blinded nature because of what Charlie Coyle was for the wild tenure, which at the end of the day was mostly disappointing. A nice player, but mostly, in my opinion, yep. disappointing. Um, so I'm curious how, yep. how, he, how he gels and, and takes this next year for him. Statistically, I think Coyle turns out fine. It's but when you watch him on a per game basis compared to what you expected, yeah. he's not there. And Greenway, yeah, Greenway has you know Coyle and Greenway have have that issue with lots of big guys, which is they don't consistently show up. Which is why Felino is so valuable. He shows up every game and he'll bang and he'll fight and he'll do things. Uh, but I am not willing to say that Kevin Fiala is on a third line. So I am I am regarding Kevin Fiala as a second line right wing because he's too damn good. I I, I mean, 
I love the checking nature of Hartman, Felino, Greenway, and I love what they can bring. But Kevin Fiala belongs above them. Uh, the fourth line, and this, what we saw on the ice on Monday was, I think, Dex, I think it was fairly close to what we're going to see October 15th against the Ducks when the Wild opens for real in Anaheim. That was Sturm on the fourth line. Clearly, he's still staying there. Like, mm-hmm. I don't I don't think as much as we called for him to get a promotion or be tried on a higher line, it, it for the most part, unless he had to take someone's shift, didn't happen. Bukestead on the right wing and Boldy on the left wing. And let me set this up by saying this one. This one intrigues me because Boldy in this scenario got a shot with the first team like that. Like those four lines are very close to what your four lines are going to be to open the regular season. But where I find this intriguing is Bill Guerin's made it crystal clear that if Matthew Boldy's going to make this roster, it's going to be for a top six role and he's going to play. Um, and in this particular case, he was on the fourth line left wing, which is what we've been told they're not going to do. So I can't figure out if this was a move to see how he would play um, so that they can promote him or if this was like the last step before he gets sent down after the preseason is done. And I will say the tough thing is this. If you're Boldy and you're on the fourth line in a game like this, and I saw a couple tweets that basically said, I didn't see him out there. And you really didn't because he's mm. on the fourth line. Yeah. And I mean, you're playing with Bukestead who has a definite role, but it's, it, but I mean, it's a role you're playing with Sturm who I would argue is somewhat himself been suppressed because when you're on the fourth line, it's the fourth line. So I'm interested in what they're doing with Boldy. And I don't know if this means he might be about to be promoted to start the season Dex, or if this is a sign that there's a very good chance that he is going to start the season in Des Moines with the Iowa Wild uh, and not make it, because I certainly don't expect his role when the season starts to be the role that I saw him play on Monday night. Yeah, it's it's a little too little too bad. Um, you know, I, last podcast I told you, well, give Fiala Boldy, you know, give give him Matthew Boldy. Um, let's see what those two can do together. And I, I know that's probably a big ask for a rookie and, and it might be a liability, but if it was Goudreau, Boldy, Fiala, I like that. I like the idea of it, at least. Um, you know, I, X's and O's wise, I guess I can't tell you if that would be the most sound defensive line, but I, I think it'd be a fun line to watch and fun line to explore. Uh, I, I think that mostly it's probably going to come down to either do they want Boldy on, on this roster and who could maybe jump up and play in a top six role? Do you want Dumaine to maybe just be that fourth line guy, which is what it, he, he projects that, to yes. be? And I wouldn't be, and he actually it would make the most sense to keep him and send Boldy and send Rossi and send Beckman to Iowa to maybe be like a super line or close to all, obviously all three of them at the very least being in a top six role in the AHL. Mm-hmm. Um, I, yeah, I, I want Boldy and I want to see, and Beckman's has been so impressive that even though I, I don't think he makes the roster, you can make a, you could make a case that Beckman even has a leg up on Boldy with how he's played in the preseason. You, really, role, you, yeah. you you can yeah. make the case that he does have a leg up and better chance of making the roster just because he's been more impressive. But how they view each other in the long run, um, I'm not too sure yet. Uh, but but it it is it is curious to what they want to do because you know I think you and I kind of assumed that both Rossi and Boldy were were not locks but in pencil to make this team. And now it seems like as we're what about a week away from the opener in Anaheim that that it, they're they're most likely going to probably start in Iowa instead of starting here in Minnesota. Yeah. And so the, 
Um, there's a preseason game left as we record this on Wednesday tonight against the Blues. Then there's another preseason home game at the X Thursday against the Blackhawks. Then I believe they go to Chicago and play Saturday, if I'm not mistaken. And that might be it. And, and then they open against the Ducks a week from Friday. So here's the one thing. Here's my one takeaway. And this is just a total like guess or question. Okay. I wonder if I wonder if they're going to do something with Rask because I'm like I go through these line combinations mm. and I got to be honest I feel he just gums things up. Yes. Like 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 I don't see like I feel like there's way more freedom because we're talking about we're talking about young players who I think for the most part deserve an opportunity. Uh Boldy is certainly a more talented player and a better player than Rask. Now he doesn't have the experience, and I know that Dean and Billy are big on experience, but it feels like as we discuss this that I, I'm hesitant to just assume that Victor Rask has the second line left wing locked up. Yeah. Because uh, these guys aren't dumb. And and like Victor Rask is the he's the he's the gum that's clogging things up. You know, he's the guy that's clogging things up. So I wonder if there's a way to make a move there. Because uh, it just feels like the conversation that we're having right now is much easier if you're not worried about, hey, Victor Rask is on that second line, and I'm not quite sure what he adds there. And I know this, Kevin Fiala and Rask is oil and water as far as style of play goes. But the, the, I think when we first started doing our line combination episode, the, the first line combination episode we did a week or two ago, I said if Victor Rask isn't part of this equation, everything becomes easier. Everything just becomes so much more interesting. You have more combinations and more things to work with. Um, you know, Rask is entering the last year of his deal. Uh, this is the last season of his deal, thank God. Uh, he's making $4 million a season. You have, you'd most likely have to attach some type of sweetener um, for, the wild, for, for, for the other team to take on Rask, like the, you're not you're not trading Victor Rask and assuming that oh now I'll get a, a, a equally good player in return. No, you're you're, no, no. you're you're trading him out to clear out a roster spot. The salary right. is a salary. It's the last year of his deal. Essentially, look right. at but, it look at it as as a one year contract. Like it, it, there's no such thing bad thing as a one year contract. But also, who wants Victor Rask? Like what what is, is another? T- you're going to have to attach like a third round pick with Victor Rask probably to even get another team to bite and say, please take this off our hands. We don't want this anymore. Um, actually, I don't, I, I don't think you're even, you know, in your, in your wild, reckless speculation there. I, I don't think that's that reckless of an idea. I can, I can see them wanting to possibly move on from him. But the problem is if you should have, you should have done that this summer. I mean, he was coming off yeah. box score oh, yeah. wise, a decent yeah. year. Um, and had a, had a mini rejuvenation of, of his, of his career. Um, right now too, by the way, the Wild have, excuse me, 2.1 in cap space. So their roster is full at 23. They have 2.1 in space. You clear out RAS, that gives you a little bit more wiggle room for call-ups or for an in-season trade or something like that down the line. Um, but I would I would love for them to get him off the roster. I don't know if I can give up a, a like giving up a second round, let's call it even a second round yeah, pick. Yeah, I know they're not going to do that. They're, they're not going to yeah. do that. Um, so you'd have to address, you'd have to address some type of other compensation for the other team to do that. He's just the one guy that when when I've got my line charts for Monday right here, um, when I've got my line charts, he's the one guy that doesn't really fit. And like, he's been moved to wing now, which devalues him more. So that's the one thing where like, if you're trying to put together uh potential preliminary lineups for the opener, 
49 is the one guy that you're like, okay, could you could you somehow scoot him off here? Um, also, so I think Boldy is a bubble guy. Like, I'm not positive he's going to make the team, but I don't, but I think he's got a good chance okay. or a decent chance. Um, Marco Rossi's going to skate at center with the second, basically the second group tonight. The Wild called up five guys that they had previously sent down to Iowa. Marco Rossi is going to play against the Blues with what is largely going to be a second team of players. It's looking more and more to me like they just decided he probably can't play top six. And to go back to what Garen said about Boldy, I don't think the Wild has any appetite to make Marco Rossi a bottom six guy. So if that's the judgment, I actually agree there. Yeah. Uh, wherever he goes, whether it be him staying here or going to the American Hockey League, he needs to play significant time, especially when, when he's coming off a season in which he almost didn't play at all. Yeah. So if, they, if they've determined, and look, it's completely fair. If they've said, okay, you know what? He's really good, but he's just not prepared yet. And they're going to ha- have him start and spend, who knows, maybe significant time in the American Hockey League. I have zero problem there. And I would guess, by the way, that the lineup is set for this game with a lot of second team guys, that that's probably the decision that they're at least leaning towards. Yeah, I, I think it, and look, we are guilty of this too, and it's it's fine. And by the way, nothing wrong, committing or wrong. Um, that Never wrong. That, that Marco Rossi's... Uh, opportunity to make this team was probably a little higher than we thought it should have been. And I agree. He should go to Iowa. He should play top line minutes. He should play 20 minutes a night, play, you know, a couple dozen games. And if, and if his play is who he is and, and if his health most importantly is also um, in the right spot, then hey, maybe he gets a call up by December, you know, maybe he gets a call up by the new year or holiday time um, and he can take a spot. And, and unfortunately, uh, you know, always just creating a roster spot in thin air is difficult to do it. It'll most because it'll happen because there's an injury. Um, that's honestly the biggest, that's the easiest way to get him up here is not to just assume that, oh, well, he's performing, unplug this guy, plug in that guy. It's mostly, sure. it's not ineffectiveness all the time. It's mostly someone gets hurt um, and you have to replace that. So at this point, I mean, by God, if you are, uh, by the way, if you're a fan of Judd's Hockey Show, hit that subscribe button because we pump out daily content. If you're a Judd's Hockey Show member in the great state of Iowa, I mean, you're, go, go watch an Iowa Wild game at this point. I might point. be taking a trip down there. Yeah. Wells Fargo yeah. Center, I think it is. Oh, that's a nice little building. Yeah, that's a, it's nice. Um, it might be worth a trip. Honestly, Wasi and yeah. Boldy's there. There's some talent there now. There, there was a period of time Ooh. where Chuck Fletcher didn't stock the cupboard in Des Moines, but this team's go- going to, to have some talent. And yeah, and Rossi, by the way, should not be up here until they're convinced he is set. Like, I, like I am all, I'm all for the slow cook here. Boldy, I. Boldy with his size and ability, I'm very curious. And like I'd be I'd be very close to, to saying I, I think that he can succeed up here. Rossi, you make sure that you are completely comfortable. Uh, because if you bring if you do bring him up and he's going to be a top six center, and who knows, ideally, in the not too distant future, it'll be with a guy like Capri Subdex. You want you want him here fully prepared. Yeah. Uh okay. Here's a contention on the blue line. I okay. think Five, five of the six spots are filled. Okay, hit me. Goligoski over to Spurgeon, <laughs> back to Brodine, mm-hmm. over over to Dumba. Okay, who gets it to newcomer Dmitry Kulikov, who I actually have yeah. liked a lot. I, he's good. Like he's gonna. He's a solid. He's got it. He's solid last pairing defenseman. He's good to go. He's good to go. That gets us to three guys for one spot. Jordy Ben 
Jamie's brother, uh, who played on Monday and was paired with Kulikov. He's been in, in the league for 10 years and 556 games. Yeah. John Merrill, who's 29. Oh, Ben is 34, by the way. John Merrill, who's tw- uh, 29, and we saw play in Colorado in the game that they streamed. Uh, and I thought he played well. I liked his I liked his ability to move the puck. Like he he's got some he's got some offensive leanings that I sort of liked. Um, he has played eight years, four hundred five games, and then another guy who we've talked about possibly making this team, and I'm now convinced that he will also begin the season at Iowa. Twenty one year old. Kalen Addison, who played in his first three NHL regular season games last year and then got into three playoff games. I think the I think the race is probably between Ben and John Merrill. And I wonder if Ben's gonna start play. I, I wonder if the third pairing defensemen to start the season are gonna be Kulikov and Ben, based on the fact that Ben is probably gonna bring as much defensive responsibility as you possibly can. Just mm-hmm. a guess on my part. Your thoughts on that one six defenseman five. Uh, so there, there's two theories here, um, because it'll be, it would be nice if your extra defenseman is, is someone like Jordy Ben or John Merrill, right? Like those are ideal extra defensemen. And one of those will be. Who will always, one of those two will probably always be in the press box. Um, Right by me. Nice. Yeah. Right by us. That's fine. Right by me. Eating some popcorn. Yep. I like that plan. I like that plan. The other side of it though is, well, Kaylin Addison Played pretty well. Yeah, I, I would like him to play an above role, so him going to Iowa would make sense, and him being that top-pairing defenseman in Iowa and playing 20-plus minutes. But yep. I, I wouldn't hate it either if if he does win the job with Kulikov and he is your primary uh, third-pairing defenseman and could even possibly still be used on a second power play unit. Um, I, I could see the case why it would make more sense still then to keep Kalen Addison because, I mean... Him going to Iowa and tearing it up for a little bit is is yes the more likely path, but but also why you know like also also why do that I, I think it would make a lot of sense too to keep him here and contribute to the big team even if it is in a more limited role. Yeah, see, I I want him to play though, mm-hmm. so I'm I'm to- I'm torn there because if Ben or or Merrill end up in the press box on a regular basis, I really don't care. Like that's fine. That's why they're here. Um, unless you know that Kalen is going to establish himself in play, here's the here's the thing that we are clearly dealing with, and you might like it, you might not, but it applies. It's going to apply to Rossi. It clearly applies to your guy Fiala, and it's going to apply it to Kalen as well. And that's the fact that Bill and Dean are sticklers for complete games. Like you need to have an all around game, and if you mess up, they're not going to have a lot of time for that. I, you know. Fiala is the perfect example. Like if you just went on on what the guy brings from a talent standpoint, he's off the charts. Yeah. But they they see things, and that's why that's why I think they're trying to spark him. That's why they're trying to spark Fiala, I should say, by sticking him, him on the penalty kill. Because and Dean talked about this in his mind. One, Fiala's a, Fiala can be a smart player, and when he's on the penalty kill, he knows how top offensive guys think, and so they like the fact that he is um, he is. He is thinking about what the top offensive guys he's playing against on a power play are going to do. The other thing they like is it basically forces him to be responsible, which I think they don't see him as consistently, Declan. And so that's why that's why Kevin's on the penalty kill, which I'm with you. I love because I love a guy who's an aggressive PK guy and can potentially transition and score goals off the penalty kill. 
But that's where I think Addison might have some trouble here. Uh, Cause I wonder if they don't see him as if he is not guaranteed to play, I wonder if they're going to want him here as opposed to playing really significant time on the first pairing at Iowa. Two things. Uh, number one, I, I think this actually is a, is a very smart move by Dean Evison to put Kevin Fiala on the penalty kill for, for two reasons. Number one, he needs to find his defensive game. Um, mm-hmm. That's obvious. Uh, if, if, and if there's any better way to be more sound defensively, well, when you're down a man, figure it out. Um, two, he has that game-breaking ability, and it just seems like, and I could be completely wrong on this, I would love to maybe do like a deeper dive into it. It seems like shorthanded goals have been happening at a higher rate in the last year or two than like ever before. Maybe I'm just noticing it more. I don't know. I could be completely off on that basis. Yeah, but 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 Fiala's has the ability to score shorthanded goals. So if if um if he intercepts a pass or if there's a miscue on a power play, he has the ability to take the puck down the ice and potentially score a, a, a highlight reel goal because he has that skill to do so. So I, yes. I do applaud Dean Evison for doing that. Um, to the Addison part again, that takes a one more penalty kill spot, or is he on the third pairing, or where does he play? They're not going to scratch him every night. Um, you know, the, the, I don't like doing it, but the, the longer term view is, well, Alex Galagoski's here in a one year deal. Probably odds are he won't be back. And if he's back next year, his play is going to start going down the tube. He's 30. He's in his other side of his thirties that Kalen Addison being a first round pick, the marquee thing yes. you got in the Jason Zucker trade slides yeah. into your just top four naturally next season. I, yeah. So I, I think that's more of the, of the longer and guys play. will get hurt too. Yep. And guys will get, you know, if, if Dumba goes down, I think they'd be much more probable to put Kalen up there and yeah. not just be like, let's promote Jordy Ben to a top four guy. No, they wouldn't do so that. I think you hit it. I think you're right. And, and if I'm not mistaken, there's almost no chance financially that Galagoski can be brought back next year. Like unless he takes $12. Yeah, yeah. So that's a really, that's a great point. And I think you're right. And that's where I would agree on get him playing time. Like, let him see playing time. Somebody, people get hurt. So there's going mm-hmm. to be an opportunity to play here at some point uh, during the course of the season. But I love the thought process of get him playing time. Don't treat him like a veteran who, who you're like, you know, you didn't have a great game, kid. You're scratched. Because that's going to do him no good. Correct. So, yeah, yeah, I, th- I love think it. I think the long term view right. is is they look at him as a top four defenseman next year on opening night and can play when asked upon, um, if and an, or, or if by necessity because there's an injury. But yeah. All right, let's wrap up here. Let's come back in the next couple of days yeah. if we have time. Yeah. And because I didn't get to the power plays, first power, first and second team power plays are interesting. Um, I think you're really going to like what they're doing now as far as the power play goes. But uh, we've been going for quite some time here, so let's wrap up, uh, come back with another Judd's Hockey Show where we will also dissect what we see probably in this Blues game because we're going to see the youngsters. We're going to see Rossi and Beckman and that whole crew too. Declan, take it away. Pass, shoot, score.